Welcome to the Urban Grace Weekly Podcast. Urban Grace is an inclusive ecumenical church in the heart of downtown Tacoma, Washington, that seeks to be a spiritual home for folks from all sorts of backgrounds. Come check us out Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. at the corner of 9th and Market. And of course, there are more details at urbangrace.org. Our scripture comes from Luke 8, 26 to 39 today. Then they arrived at the country of, Gen- of the Genesenes, which is opposite Galilee. As he stepped out on land, a man of the city who had demons met him. For a long time he had worn no clothes, and he did not live in a house, but in tombs. When he saw Jesus, he fell down before him and shouted at the top of his voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High? I beg you, do not torment me. For Jesus had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For many times it had seized him. He was kept under guard and bound with chains and shackles. But he would break the bonds and be driven by the demons into the wilds. Jesus then asked him, What is your name? He said, Legion. For many demons had entered him. They begged him not to order them to go back into the abyss. Now there, on the hillside, a large herd of swine was feeding, and the demons begged Jesus to let them enter these. So he gave them permission. Then the demons came out of the man and entered the swine, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and was drowned. When the swine herds saw what had happened, they ran off and told it in the city and in the country. Then people came out to see what had happened, and when they came to Jesus, they found the man from whom the demons had gone sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told them how the one who had been possessed by demons had been healed. Then all the people of the surrounding country of the Genesarenes asked Jesus to leave them, for they were seized with great fear. So he got into a boat and returned. The man from whom the demons had gone begged that he might be with him, but Jesus sent him away, saying, Return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. So he went away, proclaiming throughout the city how much Jesus had done for him. This is the word of the Lord. Join me in a word of prayer before we begin. Gracious and holy God, we bear witness as wounds that mar the chosen one bring many sons to glory. We do not boast in our own story, but in yours. May your word only be spoken. May your word only be heard. Amen. I am... Abigail Viscara Perez, and I am here to tell you a little bit about this story. It's a little disorienting, the way it's told. It's kind of hard to follow, because if you try to put things in order, it's told out of sequence. And then there's this weird part where there's pigs and demons, and we're going to... We're going to go there. Don't worry. It's my job 
to untangle these things for you. So I come at these scriptures kind of like, you know, looking over at my other preaching buddies, and I say, hold my beer, I got this. (laughs) So here's how I see it. There's a man living among the tombs. He moved out there because it was easier to be among the silent dead than to try to fit in back in town. And when he lived in town, they thought they could help him with his struggle, what they perceived to be his struggle. They thought they could restrain him. And every time, he broke loose. So he went out to the edges of town where he didn't have to try to fit in, wear clothing, act normal. No one could entrap him there, not physically, nor could they dictate his every move, nor could they even influence his head and his heart. Well, yeah, being outside a community can be great. It can also be lonely. It can make your head and your heart fall out of sync with one another. So this is what happened. He was living among the dead. That was what made most sense to him. There was no one there to tie him up, lock him up, hold him down, influence him. But also no one was there to help him get free from the pain and anguish till Jesus arrives in a boat, meaning from the other side of the water. Outsider to outsider, they see one another on the shore. Jesus and his friends show up, and Jesus says, hey, let me pray for you, which causes the man to remember all the ways he felt so judged and tortured by the people who had tried to fix him before. And he feels like Jesus is going to have to pick up where his community left off. My heart goes out to the guy. I have known plenty of people who have been on the medication roller coasters. They've been incarcerated. They've been in the joint, out of the joint. They've been guilty. They've been just accused. Many of them, they can get loose, but they can't get free. It's been so difficult, they can't take it anymore. They lose track, their head and their hearts. They fall out of sync. They don't know who they are or who to trust. They would rather live among the dead bodies, or maybe they would rather just live among the people who don't offer any kind of boundaries to push up against. These are my people. They join the Crips or the Bloods. They join the Hell's Angels. These are Jesus' people living on the outside, looking for life among the dead. They would rather visit a trap house. That feels safer. 
or they would rather follow a cult-like religious expression than live among those who have tried to hem them in and it hurt too much. These are my people. This is my story. You know the Legion. I don't know if you belong to the Legion. Maybe you do. You're welcome here. Among the rest of us, you know those who would rather live among people who know death and destruction and desolation so well because it's all they know. Even here in Tacoma, where did we put our so-called stability site? Right? Ouch. Where did we put our detention center? Ouch. In town, in the Garrison's town, there may have been people who really wanted to live. This might be a room full of them. But mostly there are those who are afraid of death in that town. And you know how I know? Because they didn't know how to handle it when one of their friends and neighbors was brokenhearted. And besides, those are the loudest voices. The voices of fear can be so loud. They can drown out that quiet voice of hope, right? Those voices of fear, they don't want someone like Legion around, so of course he is safer among the tombs. It's safer to live among the physically dead than among those who are afraid of death. For this one, with a broken heart, Jesus tells this man he wants to know what's going on. He gets out of the boat from across the other side of the water, and he says, what's your name? The man doesn't say his name. He tells Jesus his story. He tells Jesus about his identity among his neighbors. Tells Jesus what he's struggling with. Jesus points to a herd of pigs nearby and tells the man that those pigs will bear his burden. Watch this. And the pigs suddenly run toward the cliff and drown in the water. And nobody's ever seen anything like this. And the shock of it causes such a stir all the way back in town. But the man finally feels relief. Somehow, Jesus points to a herd of pigs diving off of a cliff, and it is possible that those pigs are the definition of absurd, broken, so that this man no longer is bearing the weight of all the shame, because at least he's not as erratic as those pigs. It begins to make sense that Jesus' grace for this guy can change everything. The Jesus in this story is the character that makes everyone believe that this man doesn't need to be tortured or confined or ostracized. He needs a new identity, a new belief about himself and the way he could be. Now, there is a supernatural way to see this. I grew up with Pentecostal parents slain in the spirit, 
demons and angels and forces and powers and principalities at war with one another. And they taught me that evil spirits really could be driven out of humans and into pigs. And that made sense for a long time because it explains things that psychologists work with every day. And then when I became dissatisfied with that understanding of the world, I began to wonder if it could be just as true that when you tell someone who is suffering from a serious mental illness or struggle that healing is an option, that she or he or they could be restored to community, well, we may as well be watching pigs fly off a cliff to their death because sometimes it just doesn't seem possible. But when Jesus gives people freedom to try a new solution, they can turn the page and start a new chapter in their story. That's what I'm reading into this text. We can talk later if that doesn't make any sense at all totally willing to engage that. Sometimes it's help that comes in the form of a licensed mental health therapist or a chemical swallowed in a pill or a help with an addiction or a group of friends that arrive out of nowhere from across the water in a boat. And they pray and they listen and talk us through it and that is what provides relief for this person, for me, suffering so deeply. Sometimes it's help that comes in the form of an idea that we can tell a new story about our lives. In my experience, there are many, many, many times when it's a lot of these things all working together to restore us to health and help us find health for the first time. Maybe we never had it. We need lots of different kinds of help when things get really hard. In this story, Jesus is willing to try this one thing, this one last thing, so is this man, to pursue the man's true identity as a beloved brother, a whole human, someone who has real struggles and can overcome them if we don't give up. And it works. Que milagro. Por la mano de Dios, right? And the new version of the man's story catches like wildfire. Makes people curious about this healer Jesus willing to try anything and everything to bring this man to health from the tombs. Wait a minute. Bringing someone who's out among the dead back to the life? You saw those pigs. Let's just observe their chaos, compare it to yours, and see who comes up looking more alive, more human, more like an upstanding member of society. So this is where we find out a little bit more. It gets even thicker. This story is very, it's a lot of story, okay? So you see the neighbors, they were so afraid that they were unwilling to engage the healer, right? They don't want anything to do with the man who healed their scapegoat. As long as that guy lives out there, everything in town looks pretty good. And then Jesus comes and says, that's not quite right. Isn't that curious? 
It's beginning to seem a little suspicious even. They are excited that a healer has come. They are worried that Jesus is too sympathetic with the man they were unable to control. Obviously, they don't want to be cheered up. Maybe they don't want to be restored to one another. So Jesus prepares to leave because he's so unwelcome. I get it. Shake the dust. If I had been that man, I would have begged to get into that boat too. Take me with you. Don't leave me behind. I wouldn't want to be in that man's position to have to live among people who we found out may never have wanted him to be healed. But Jesus tells the guy, your story's so good, though. And if you run away, who can tell it as well as you can to the people who need to hear it most? Your healing is real. It's not going to go away. You can't undo this. You can't unsee goodness in yourself now. And you're whole. You're courageous. You're free. You got this. You're no longer a victim. You are you. Your neighbors need you to live among them as a reminder that healing is always an option. Because it is. Sometimes we forget this because we get loose, we escape, we can run away, but we can't actually get that far away. We can get loose, but we can't get free. So we go live among the dead. And we can't get dressed. And we've forgotten the name we had before we got lost among the tombs. And I don't know. Maybe you're starting to think this interpretation of Scripture is a bit dramatic. Maybe you've never lost track of who you are. Maybe you've never chosen to live on the outside of community. But there are those of us who have, and, and everybody in this room is going to have a different experience somewhere in this broad spectrum of how we relate to the story. So I want you to try to find yourself in the story. Consider yourself a part of the story, right? If this were to play out here in Tacoma, you get to choose who you are today. You can just do it for right now, five minutes, right? Now, and you quietly to yourself. You don't have to tell anybody. Are you the one on the outside struggling to remember your name, hoping Jesus won't torture you to bring you back into some fake form of community? Or maybe you're arriving from a distant shore, willing to meet all the strangers with the same respect and regard. And you don't know the stories of the people you encounter, but you're curious, and you're willing to fight for them to be restored to one another? I don't know. Or try this. Maybe you're begging your new friends to let you go with them and escape the old life and quietly disappear into the crowd in a new identity. And then you're suddenly aware someone is urging you to tell your story to people who don't necessarily want to hear it. Or maybe you're the voice of risk inviting the outcast, tell the truth. Be courageous so she can know her value. 
Your pastor, Ben, invites me here to preach, and preaching is a folk art and a sacred practice. And many preachers do research. They know what the scholars say about the scripture, and they keep their thoughts organized in order to provide a cohesive and substantial framework so that each sermon will fit into the larger systematic theological argument about who God is. I am capable of that way of preaching. But I want to be honest with you. I cannot know whether the stories I tell you and the ideas I share are going to stand the test if they come up against another interpretation of Scripture. Theology is the study of the ways that all the Scripture texts work together to create a consistent theory about who Jesus was or is or will be. So we can engage theological academia. But here at Urban Grace, I prefer to come here and tell you about my lived experience and invite you into conversation with me about ways that I miss the mark, I'm wrong, I'm right, I made you cry, I made you laugh. We experienced one another in the presence of the holy. And maybe that's something that isn't gonna get much traction in a doctoral program unless it's a case study. <sighs> but I don't need you to agree or change your beliefs to match mine. I don't feel like I can mimic Jesus' beautiful sermons or lectures or miraculous signs or offer you any kind of organized wisdom today. It's not where I'm at right now. I'm definitely much more like the man who confessed that they call us legion. We got a lot of ideas and we're not sure which ones should be sent away over a cliff. I've been on the outside. I've come to believe in the healing words of the prophets and the character of Christ only because I need them so badly to come to me in the boat across the, the lake. And even when all I wanted was to run from my past, there was something, some voice, a friend, a healer, someone who told me, your story's so good, though. And if you run away, who can tell it as well as you can to the people who need to hear it most? Your healing is real. You are whole and courageous. They said this to me. They said, you're free now. You can do this. You're no longer a victim. You are you. Your neighbors need you to live your messy life among them as a reminder that healing is always an option. Oh, and I definitely rolled my eyes. And I was definitely sure beyond a shadow of a doubt that Jesus is the worst, most annoying character in scripture. Because I know my life and the stories of failure and triumph that make up the stories, they're sometimes important, even when I'm so embarrassed. I'm totally willing to tell you how I embarrassed myself if it means you will feel some relief from your own shame. And 
It's true. I am actually excited to share my struggles, but only if it makes you feel less alone in yours. But I would much rather tell the stories of Jesus' miraculous life and character. I'd rather explain how silly his followers were rather than embarrass myself. It would be so much easier to hide, to get in the boat with them and hide behind a system of beliefs and a body of research that explains these figures and metaphors that we find in scripture. I want to get in the boat and go away. But I can't. I want to run away, even right now, in this moment. End of sermon. Drop the mic. I'm out. Pretend, I can pretend. I'm just, you know, I'm not talking about me in my real life or anyone I know. The names have been changed. I'm rather talking about a heroic savior character and his hum, bumbling, humbling, holy comrades on a radical journey towards sainthood. Get on board. But anyway, that didn't happen. I stayed. Stayed with the story that the Holy Spirit had chosen for me and assigned by way of the revised common lectionary. <laughs> told this story. You know why I keep coming back here? It's because you asked me to tell the story the way I see it. Because you oftentimes are the voice of the Christ that says to me and the people I love, your story's so good. And if you run away and hide, who can tell it as well as you can to the people who need to hear it most? And I think maybe the reason that you tell me that is because it's true about you too. So I'm just going to say back to you what you told me. What Jesus told the man who lived at the edges. I mean, you could get in the boat and go away, but your story is so good. And if you run away and hide it, who can tell it as well as you can to the people who need to hear it most? Your healing is real. You're whole, courageous, free now. You can do this. You're no longer a victim. You are you. Your neighbors need you to live among them as a reminder that healing is always an option. Amen.